0: Well, it's time to start a brand new series. And I have been really, really happy that I did an entire like two months of replays and it is my one of my favorite seasons, the first season of my podcast of solo episodes. So I hope you really enjoyed all those replays. But today, if you are a human and you are listening to this, this series is for you. So stick with me. Hello everyone, this is Meredith with a Y and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today we are going to go deep, changing lives and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, so I'm going to give you some backstory and I actually might record a large majority of this season today because I have time and because I am into it and I want to bring you some life-changing information. About the middle of December, I was out to appetizers and drinks with a friend of mine and there was a comment made that really just rubbed me the wrong way really just kind of pulled the rug out from under me. And my husband was sitting there at the time and then he was going home to pick up our kids. And so I walked into the car and I said, you know, I just don't know if I can get over this comment right now. It's really thrown me. And honestly, the comment doesn't matter. What I want to talk about is the feeling and the reason and the response. So he said, "Well, why don't you just go home?" And I said, "No, I I'll, I'll be okay. You know, it it'll be fine. I I I I'm, I'm going to be okay with it." So I go back in to sit down with the friends and it's just bubbling under the surface, right? I'm trying to get over it. I'm trying to stuff it down. I'm trying to make light of it and whatever. And there were a few other things that were said. And instead of those being just normal comments, they added on, right? So now, now the norm, the normal thing, the normal whatever the hell, is now on top of the original comment. And so we moved on to a place next door and... You know, as we sat there and sat there, it was almost like I was having an entity, if you will, an energy take over my body. And it all came to an end. We were getting ready to pay the bill. And I said, hey, I'm just going to step outside and I'll meet you out there. And I had paid for the first restaurant. And so it was okay that I got up and left and let them pay for the second. And so as I was standing outside, it was as if my body were on autopilot, It was as if I was completely taken over by whatever was going on inside of me. And so I sent a text and said, hey, I'm just not in a great place right now. I'm going to go ahead and walk home. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Because I really wanted to hold... The person and let them know, you know, I didn't want to cause a stink or a scene. I didn't want to make it a big deal. It's just like, hey, I'm not doing well. It's a mile. The weather was not bad. I'm going to go ahead and walk home. And again, I need to impress upon you, this did not feel like a choice. This was not, oh, I'm going to show them or I'm going to let them know how upset and pissed off I am. I was just really trying to like exit stage left. And so I walked home and I got to the park and the friend started calling and I knew, I knew that I was not in the right place to have any sort of productive conversation. But the calls kept coming. And I was sitting in the park just a few hundred feet from my house. And it's about 10 o'clock at night. It's a cool, crisp evening. I'm not cold. I'm not anything. And so I finally decided to answer the phone. Big mistake. And... The person just started asking me, like, "What's wrong? What's going on? Where'd you go?" And I said, "I can't talk about this right now." And and they said, "No, you. I need you to." And I started crying, and I explained what was going through my mind. Now, inside of this, it was it was interesting because my brain was breaking down what was happening and why I felt this way. At the same time, I was trying to explain it because I didn't really understand what was happening. But in hindsight, what was happening is that I had I had placed too much value in another person's opinion. I had placed too much value on someone's opinion of me and my work and what I do. And I usually don't do that and then in in the evening when i when the first comment happened it was like they took they took it from me right it was like they said hey i really love your painting and then a few weeks later they were like you know i don't really know like everyone's kind of doing that sort of painting so like it's it's not really that original and i've i've really spent a lot of years trying to not place my value into other people's opinions or their eyes or their looks or whatever it is good or bad because i'll be honest with you i mean i could pretty much walk into a lot of places where i live and people are like hey i saw your your tiktok or i saw your social media post it's so intriguing it's so cool and i take it with a grain of salt it's it's like hey Thank you so much. I appreciate that support, but it doesn't reflect how I see myself, good, bad, or ugly. I have people on social media all the time that are saying, you're talking to the devil or this is stupid. You don't know what you're talking about or whatever. And in the next breath, it's like, oh my gosh, you're this, you're that, you're the other. And I don't take either because they don't know me, right? It's just They're just getting a glimpse of my life. And so I've spent many years working to remove myself from my parents' gaze, to remove myself from the world's gaze, because I don't want to steer my life in the direction that it's going to go based on the world around me. But for whatever reason, I took the compliments a few weeks prior to the restaurant situation really to heart. It really moved me that I was given this compliment by this person. And it was very kind and I was really into it, probably a little bit more than I needed to be. And so when it was kind of felt like it was taken away, then that also carried weight as well. And in this moment, I just want to talk about that for a second before I get into where I'm headed and talk about the idea that when we give our parents or our siblings or spouse or children, when we give their opinions of us a lot of weight, the problem is, is that the opposite also holds true of good or bad. You know, when your husband says, God, you look beautiful tonight and you really settle into that, then when he's like, well, what's going on with that outfit? What what are you wearing? Or Why are you doing that? That also then cuts deep. And so we have to be super mindful of how we're allowing the world to make us feel. So back to my story. As the weeks unfolded after this argument and my friend and I really weren't speaking, I never, you know, just to be honest, I never called her a name or, you know, I was just very, very upset. And looking back now, I recognize that my body was in a heightened state of fight or flight. But this situation over the last month has been a catalyst to huge life change, huge, probably the largest life transformation I have ever gone through. I mean, literally. A lot of things that you go through in life are are subtle, they're gradual. This one was huge. This one was monumental. And I really want to talk about that because at 50 years old, I, I feel that I have it's hard because you feel like, God, I've wasted. 50 years in this mind game of attachment. And I, I wish I wouldn't have. And so, if anyone's listening to this, please share this information over these next few weeks because it is really life changing. If you are a human, there is a very, very good chance you are struggling with attachment issues and don't even maybe realize it. And so, I was watching some videos and on TikTok, just scrolling, you know, mindless stuff, and and something came up about avoidant attachment. And I can't say that I had ever heard of avoidant attachment prior to this video. I didn't, it just didn't, I don't know, come up on my radar. And as I listened to this video and watched this person talking about attachment and avoidant attachment and anxious attachment and what transpires inside of these attachment issues. I was like, uh that kind of sounds like me. Wait, what is what what is this? And so I started Googling avoidant attachment and anxious attachment and Googling the best books to read on them. And I've only read two, but I have to say the one that I'm going to share with you. I think is easy to read, easy to understand, easily broken into pieces and parts. You can put it down and start up you know, a couple of days later. But the name of the book is Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. And I want to tell you, even buying the book, I'm like, I don't I don't know if I have like distant rejecting or self involved parents but this book is about attachment and and this video spoke to me and so like let's look into it right let's let's dive deeper into this idea of attachment because I clearly had an attachment situation with this friend and her comments and then the breakdown of my inner inner self at this person taking away their comment, taking away what, you know, you could consider love or affection and feeling like rejected. And so, hey, maybe there's something to this, right? Maybe there's something that's going on there. So I read the first book on attachment, which was, I'm not even going to mention it here to be honest, because I I didn't find it to be eh, that great. And I was really happy that I bought both books because as soon as I was done with that one, I started um, The Adult Children of Emotionally um, Immature Parents. And it's a lot. I just thought that I was me. I just thought that the way that I searched for love and affection and, and acceptance in my life was just the way that it is, that, that that's just normal, that scratching and clawing and looking, and you don't even realize you're doing it. Because I know that happiness can be only found inside of myself, episode one. I know that everything is a lesson and a blessing, but there was something going on deeper inside of me that was having a healing fantasy, which I will talk about in another episode of if my mom or dad or sister understands me if the world understands me then everything will be okay and this wasn't this wasn't prefrontal cortex this wasn't a thought in my mind this wasn't a decision that i had made this was more of a feeling in my entire body of acceptance it just was and As I've learned over these past couple of weeks, because my husband said, well, maybe that's just the way it is when you're around family, or maybe that's just with this one friend, or maybe it's just, you know, whatever. And I've recognized that if there is another human being in an interaction, be it an Uber driver or a Starbucks employee or a friend or a family, if there is another human being involved with me, My attachment issues will show up because attachment shows up as people-pleasing, as being nice, as being self-deprecating, allowing bad behavior, um, not having healthy boundaries. People-pleasing and the like show up in many ways. It, It shows up as not being authentic. It shows up constantly Constantly, it shows up as being the the cattle prod that makes sure that you're neurotically on time. If there's another human being involved, your attachment issue is showing. It is showing up because that is the way that you have been programmed to interact with the world. That is the way that you have been programmed, to exist around other human beings based on not only your biology, because they are showing that a lot of this shows up in the first six months of life, but it's also showing up in your nurturing by your family and the world around you. And unless you recognize and work on this shit, it doesn't go away. I honestly believe that this book should be mandatory reading for every high school person on the planet because it would solve so many problems, politically, medically, socially, raising kids. Because as I've gone on this journey, I'm going to tell you this, it has completely changed the way that I parent. Completely. It has been life-changing. So at the beginning of this book, I want to talk about emotional intimacy And I don't believe that we understand how profoundly impactful emotional intimacy is. So I'm going to read from the book real quick. As children, the basis for our security is emotional connection with our caretakers. Emotionally engaged parents make children feel that they always have someone to go to. This kind of security requires genuine emotional interactions with parents. Parents who are emotionally mature engage in this level of emotion emotional connection almost all the time. They've developed enough self-awareness to be comfortable with their own feelings as well as those of other people. So let's talk about that for a minute because I know for a fact that there is a large part of me that has been profoundly emotionally immature for decades. And I'm kind of flabbergasted when I look back at my upbringing and the emotional immaturity And then also looking at my own self with my children and my own emotional maturity. And so what is emotional maturity? Emotional maturity is being in a place where you recognize that you are there to hold space, that you are not there to fix the person, you are not there to stop the person or the tantrum or the negative emotions, or the crying, or the screaming, or whatever it is, that you are just there to show the hell up. And I know I've done a podcast on this prior about how my 14-year-old has the most amazing way to make me emotionally uncomfortable. Anytime she's upset, I take it as a personal attack on me that I have in some way failed at parenting. If the socks aren't clean, fail. If the dinner sucks, fail. If she's having a problem with friends, fail. They are bullets to me when she is upset. Don't ask me why her, but whatever the reason is, she is my litmus test of my emotional maturity. And Since I've read this book, since I've been doing this work over the last couple of weeks, I will tell you that now I understand I am not here to fix a damn thing. I am here to stand there and say, are you ready for this? How can I support you through this? That's it. How can I support you through this? And just saying those words and taking myself out of the equation of being the bad guy or the fixer or the responsible party has been an absolute game changer as far as her coming to me, her feeling comfortable laughing, her not feeling judged, et cetera. And me not feeling that I have to be the one, that I can be around someone that is having an absolute breakdown, that is having a difficult conversation. And I don't have to run. I don't have to run away because I know that now I can be emotionally mature enough to be around big emotions. And I think that growing up, this was a very difficult thing for me. And if your parents ever said to you something like, go to your room until you're done crying or I will give you something to cry about, or you're okay, you'll be fine, like those types of things, shutting down emotions, that is an emotionally immature parent. If your parent made the, your life all about them and their happiness and how you're making them feel, how you were a disappointment to them, did they squash all of your happiness? Did they squash or shut down or make small your problems, or your wins, emotionally immature. And this is really difficult because we look at adults as being kind of like the end-all be-all when we're kids. And the problem with this is we don't know that we are in an abusive relationship that we are having love taken from us because we are being emotionally ignored. We don't know that that's abuse. We just know that we need something. And now we're going to try to do everything in our power to get that which we need, which is emotional intimacy, a connection with our family. We don't have words for that. We don't know that that exists. We just know that something's missing. And then they give it to us. We get an A. We get straight A's. We make the winning touchdown. We're the prima ballerina or our room's messy. We get in trouble. We get in trouble with the law. We get caught with our boyfriend. Either way, we're getting emotional intimacy. We're getting connection from our parents, our family. And so begins the programming. Conditioned behaviors looking for unconditional love from the book. You will never get unconditional love from conditional behaviors, period, end of story. Boom. And there's a very good chance that if you're an adult and you haven't done this work, you are still playing that game. You are still waiting for the shiny star from your mom, your dad, your spouse, your boss. You're still making way too many dinners for your friend. You're still doing too much work for the PTA. You're still throwing birthday party after birthday party for your friends, waiting for some sort of, that a girl. Or maybe they'll do a birthday party for me. This is the thing. We are in the constant circle and cycle of doing these behaviors, of behaving a certain way of getting on the treadmill and we never stop running because we're running towards something that we may never get. And the end game here is not getting it. It's stopping the treadmill, stopping the treadmill. And the only way to do that is to recognize your behaviors, to recognize who your parents were, to recognize what bad behavior and neglect actually looks like. And let me show you, coming up here, that neglect can be your parents gave you the best food and the best vacations and drove you to all the sports and never missed a sporting event. But when you got hurt or when you were struggling, there was something in you that knew you could not go to them with a problem because excellence was all that they would accept. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. It's easy to say you've been abused or neglected when no one fed you. It's easy to say you were abused and neglected when you suffered at the hands of physical, mental, emotional, or sexual abuse. Those are easy ones to point out. There's a a, a poster on every subway about that. But what about the neglect of emotion? What about the neglect of a safe space? I look back on my teenage years and the conversations that my mom had with me of, you just go from one boyfriend to another boyfriend to another boyfriend and into my 20s with the same damn behaviors. Why? Why in the hell was I going from boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend? Maybe I was looking for emotional connection. But God forbid that be anyone else's problem. God forbid anyone look in the mirror and go, "Hey shit. My 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 kids got issues and I shut them down every single time. My daughter brought me a poem about killing herself and my response while getting ready to go out was, "That's nice." When I was 16, That's nice. Holy shit. No kidding. I was out there looking for boyfriend after boyfriend. Maybe someone will hold my heart. Maybe someone will listen to me. You know, the whole world is out to get you and your kids. At least that's how it feels some days. You should be the safe space for your kid. You should be the safe space. You should be the one that when they're having a breakdown, you don't say, it'll be okay. How can I support you? How can I support you through this challenge? Instead of making your kid's life miserable and difficult and constant groundings and spankings and and pushing them into their rooms, how can I support you? And the fact of the matter is, is this is not a blame game. Because I'm telling you this right now. I strive every day to be the best person I could be. And I have still screwed it up for 50 years because I had no clue I was doing it. And I promise you, your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your parents have no freaking clue that they are immature parents. They have no clue that they're emotionally stifled. They have no clue that they are emotionally disasters they just know that they can't handle it they just know that all of a sudden i'm uncomfortable and i don't know how to address this and this is too much for me because i don't even deal with my own shit i don't know how to process my own feelings and so i sure the hell don't know how to help you with yours my shit's too much and your shit makes it my shit worse Because I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. Your parents aren't doing this on purpose. This isn't a blame game. This is a we need to figure out what the hell is going on and everybody needs a copy of this goddamn book. We need to start addressing the fact that childhood trauma is not just being and getting your ass beat. It's not just starving your kids. It is starving them from emotional intimacy and having a place to go when the whole world is falling apart and their Spanish teacher is an asshole and their coach is a piece of shit and their friends are bullying them and the peer pressure to have sex and do drugs and vape is so fucking overwhelming, but they can't come to you because you haven't dealt with your fucking trauma from your parents because you didn't know where to go. You don't even know it's a thing. That's the shit that pisses me off, is the fact that I have been living for 50 years just thinking that I'm me, that none of this was fixable, that none of this could be avoided, and nothing could be further from the truth. Because once you know better, once you get it, once you see your parents for the flawed, disastrous people that they were and are, and that you are just creating this healing fantasy in your head, that if my mom would just connect with me, if my dad could just acknowledge my accomplishments, I would be okay. There's no end game here, people. There's no end game. The end game is you accepting that your parents may be flawed forever and may never accept you and may never see it and may never talk about it. But what's actually driving the issue inside of you, the the discomfort, the feelings of pain and rejection is looking for something in a relationship that you hope that is going to be there and never might come, might never be here. And don't get me wrong. You know, I think about when I was reading this book, I thought about, I thought about this one, I think it was Barbara Bush. And I think about certain people that talk about how their parents were just so there for them, not just at the game on the bleachers, but didn't put their shit on their kids, right? They didn't make it all about them. They didn't make it like, I just need you to be successful and I need you to create something and I need you to go to college and I need you to be thin and then as a parent, I will be okay. That is emotional abuse. That is manipulating your kids. I think about parents that aren't like that. I think about parents who can take their kids' issues and sit with it and work through it without judgment, without anger and frustration, without trying to rush it. What? There's people out there like this? That it's not about the parent's alcohol abuse or drug addiction or your mom's latest fucking boyfriend or her divorce or her trauma or her child support. What the fuck? What would that childhood be like? What would it be like if, if my mess as a child trying to figure out the planet walked into the house every day and knew that that was going to be the safest I felt in 24 hours and I was allowed to exist exponentially inside of that space? Where are those parents? Because those parents are emotionally mature. They did the work. They are not dealing with generational trauma because generational trauma is the undoing of what's been done generation after generation after generation. And this generation, these generations that are being born, the Gen Xers who are bringing in these young people who are raising the 20 somethings, the millennials. Are breaking these generational traumas because we now have the language, we have the books, we have the intelligence, and this. Don't get me wrong, this shit uh, attachment theory has been around for years. Uh, when looking through this book, this this work was started, I believe it is in the sixties. I remember being a kid. And my mom chastising people that read the Dr. Spock book as as being like the, the latest, greatest psychological bullshit of, of its time. And what Dr. Spock talked about was that your kids are not an extension of you. They are their own entity that needs love and respect. God, how I wish that more parents had read that. But wait. I'm not here to serve you. I'm not here to be children or to be seen and not heard. I'm not here to exist for your mere enjoyment or disdain. What? I'm my own person? With likes and dislikes and dreams and problems that are as big and real as an adult's. I have stresses that it should be respected? Dr. Spock was ahead of his time and everyone in the 70s should have got a goddamn copy. You mean beating the shit out of a kid is not the answer? Stifling them and shutting them down and sending them to their room and abandoning them after a long day of school and problems with their friends? You mean that's not the answer here? What? No, it's not. Why the past repeats itself from the book. If the lack of emotional connection with emotionally immature parents is so painful, why do so many people end up in similarly frustrating relationships in adulthood? The most primitive parts of our brain tell us that safety lies in familiarity. Boldly, 1979. She's referencing another author. We gravitate to situations we have had experience with because we know how to deal with them. As children, we don't recognize our parents' limitations because seeing our parents as immature or flawed is frightening. Unfortunately, by denying the painful truth about our parents, we aren't able to recognize similarly hurtful people in future relationships. Denial makes us repeat the same situation over and over because we never see it coming the next time. Yes. This is why they say, oh, she married her father. He married his mother. She married her mother. Because guess what? When you are in a narcissistic relationship with a parent, when you are the victim, when you are used to people pleasing and kowtowing and, 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 and deferring to everyone around you. Because if you just find a space in the day, if you can find the space to continue to make the world around you happy, flying under the radar, don't make waves. That's how you learn to exist in the whole world. How do you sit there and beat the shit out of your kids and call them names and and emotionally abuse them by way of words and, and punishments and withholding love and affection and intimacy and then be completely blindsided that they marry someone or date someone that does the exact same thing to them. Please do not beat and smack and hit and spank your kid and then not expect them to be in a physically abusive relationship. You don't get to have it both ways. If you train your child up that they are to keep their mouth shut and do as they're told, they're going to enter into a relationship in their future as an adult with the exact same protocol. And then you're gonna look at that same kid, that same fucking kid, and you're gonna say, don't you have any self-worth? No, you took it. You stripped me of that. You made me feel that I wasn't good enough. You made me accept scraps. You made me accept getting physically abused. You told me that that was okay. Because out of one side of your mouth, you're saying I love you. And out of the other side of your mouth, you're calling me a name. And expecting me to accept abuse with a smile on my face. And I kept over and over and over again. After this situation happened with my friend, I immediately scheduled an appointment uh, with a relationship life coach, relationship coach. And it was very, very helpful, I have to say, and really helped me get through those moments at the beginning of trying to piece together what was happening inside of me, what was happening in this situation where I had gone into fight or flight and ran for my life. Because what happens when you're avoidant? What happens when you're an avoidant attachment is that you will avoid bringing your true self, your true emotions to the relationship because you have been taught, you have learned it is not safe, it is not acceptable, and no one has time for it. And so you learn to exist in that space. There are many days that I want to call someone, and the first thing that comes to my mind is I don't want to bother them. That's programming. That is a learned behavior that you are too much and take up too much space, and no one has time for you. Your emotions are too much, too big, too whatever, and so you you hide them. They're unacceptable. The next thing I did after I had my uh, appointment with my relationship coach and buying these books and reading them, starting them anyways, because I will tell you, you can only get through a few pages at a time because you are literally undoing your entire ego. You are literally undoing everything that you have known about the planet around you and about yourself. It is very painful to recognize that you have been an emotionally immature friend or parent or spouse that is... Incapable of dealing with other people's emotions because you have decided to not deal with your own and instead stuff them down. And when we stuff our own emotions down, there is no space for anyone else's. No difficult conversations, no healthy boundaries, no confrontation is safe. And what I will talk about in the future is also internalizers and externalizers. And if you're listening to my podcast, there is a very, 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 very good chance that you are an internalizer. And this is life-changing information. If you are an internalizer, then you probably have externalizers around you. And that is a great place to heal. That is a, a, this is gonna be, this. that episode will be for you. But the next thing after I bought my books and I slowly started reading them is I made an appointment with a therapist. And I gotta be honest with you, the first appointment I thought I was gonna go out of my skin, I cried, it felt great. And then she said, after the first 15 minutes of HIPAA, where I really just wanted to start talking and instead I had to go through forms, this is all online too, by the way, I highly recommend if you are avoidant, to do therapy on Zoom because it is a much safer space than in person. I I highly recommend it. If if you have an attachment disorder, either anxious or whatever, I, I highly recommend Zoom therapy because your desire to people please and to be liked is lessened by way of Zoom. But it's been a place where I can just go for the past four weeks and just talk. And work through shit without feeling like, oh, that friend might tell someone that or my husband might judge me about that later. It's a place to go to be able to work through the shit in your head that is maybe screwy, that is maybe based on falsities or or, or bad programming or or wacky, wacky thinking that you don't have to then live with that with your spouse or friend or family member, you just get to give it to that person and work through it without like them bringing it up six days later in a fight. These next few weeks, where I'm talking about this, I'm going to tell you, I feel could be very challenging, but I think it's going to be monumental. I have never felt healthier in my entire life in my own skin. I have never felt more productive, more loving, more connected, more uh, better parents. A better, a better daughter, a better sister in my entire life. And I have to tell you, I'm still going through it. I'm still in this. I'm still broken. I still am having you know, conversations in my head that I can't have yet because I'm not strong enough. I, I'm not healthy enough. But the beginning of the work is being done. The undoing is doing because now I see it. Now I can recognize it. Oh, you want to fix her. Oh, you want to make the situation better, so you're going to tell a joke. Oh, you're uncomfortable in your own skin, which is why you're telling your daughter it'll be OK. Now I can recognize, oh, you're being emotionally immature. Oh, you're you're alienating yourself on the couch with your iPhone instead of connecting with your kids. Put the phone down. You wanting to be by yourself and self-soothe because that's what you were trained to do, isn't healthy. I'm starting to see it. So again, the book, the book is adult children of emotionally immature parents, how to heal from distant rejecting or self-involved parents. Again, this is not a blame game. I don't give a shit. We are all disasters just trying to do better every day. And this is by uh, Lindsay C. Gibson. Uh, I'm going to be talking about this again next week. So Stay with me, send it to a friend, share and share a like. If you haven't left a review yet, please do. It does me a lot of good. And like the five stars is a huge help, etc., etc. et cetera. So um, I appreciate you and I will see you here next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to meredithwillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.